You want to find your tribe of raving fans. I'm going to help you do it. This is the Digging Deep Podcast with 316 Media, where we help you do better business. Hey everybody, this is Justin Lamb and you're watching episode 6 of Digging Deep, where we help business owners build better businesses. And today I am joined by a very intriguing individual. He um, has been self-employed since 2009, starting an agency here in Vancouver uh, in 2011 that has gone viral, uh, Go Popcorn. And some of the clients uh, include Samsung, Rogers, and Purdy's. In 2016, uh, his agency has won uh, the AMA Innovation Award for uh, Most Innovative Campaign and winning a Tourism uh, Destination Canada Award for uh, the work that he did with Tourism Vancouver. And so I would like to uh, introduce my guest, Dennis Pan. Dennis, how are you? Hi, good. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you. It's uh, well, I mean, I know you have a busy schedule otherwise, but uh, because of this lockdown, none of us have really a really busy schedule, <laughs> I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got uh, a couple of kids uh, next door in the other room um, and I've uh, been hunkered, hunkered down at home for the last week or so. Yeah, yeah my kids uh, eating breakfast in uh, the kitchen and don't know uh, if she's going to come and invade the uh, podcast at any time, but uh We'll get cracking and get into it and get back to our kids. So uh, let's start off. I know through the grapevine that uh, you weren't the most studious of students uh, when you were young. Would that be, would that be correct? Uh, well, actually, I was, uh, yeah, that's partially true. I would say like up until um, senior year in high school, I was pretty much your prototypical nerd. Uh, you know, chess club, math contest club, amateur radio club, um, doing Kumon and, um, uh, you know, in a lot of extracurricular activities and also super academic. Um, I fell off the wagon, um, I guess, in my senior year in high school, started making some uh, less than favorable friends and, and, and uh, hanging around maybe uh, not, not the best of people. And uh, for the next couple of years, it was uh, interesting because I was kind of just caught up in the party scene and um, not doing a whole lot, you know, like in terms of academics, I was kind of bouncing around from uh, university to colleges and, you know, picking up three credits here, six credits there, getting kicked out of SFU. Um, and it wasn't until really kind of the late 90s when uh, we got internet at home and I started spending a lot of time on there. Um, and that's really kind of what started my journey into marketing as um, I shortly after then became a web designer. Yeah, isn't it interesting um, where, you know, when we're young, you know, we think of it as we fall off the rails. Uh, and and um, I guess, of course, there is some truth to that. But it's a different type of learning, isn't it? It's, it's learning about life and about people and, and the intangible skills uh, that we acquire through our career. 100%. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, I look at all my experience and uh, my upbringing uh, with no regrets. I mean, I think if I were to only have perhaps any sort of regret is that I spent a little bit too long in that sort of party phase. I mean, I could have probably cut that down in half and, and, and probably um, uh, been better for it but I mean at the end of the day um, I am who I am today because of all those experiences uh, whether they're good or bad ones um, and uh, yeah it allows me to bring into my life and, and to my business uh, a lot of learnings and, and experiences um, yeah. with just how to how to work with people and how to deal with situations. Absolutely and uh, you know I think working in the party scene, and I did a small stint in that. I mean, I partied a lot, but I worked in the party scene for very little. Um, but it teaches you a lot about marketing. It teaches you about, you know, where you're positioned and how to attract clients, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, whether you're, you know, um, being approached by like a club promoter uh, walking down the street, or maybe you're just drawn to a poster that you see in a, in a club bathroom or something like that, that uh, catches your eye. And next thing you know, you're at that party. Um, yeah, there, there are certainly um, lessons in marketing to, to take from that. Yeah. 
And so then how did uh, popcorn fall into your lap? Um, so popcorn was an interesting uh, thing that happened, I guess, uh, to take it back a little bit further. Um, so I was in my uh, third year, or sorry, yeah, third or fourth year in uh, university, and that was around 2009. And um, at that point, uh, I had become really active on social media. Um, and I would say like my uh, activity on social media really kind of uh, peaked at around 2008 to 2010 or so. Um, and so, you know, back then this was pre Instagram. So my audience was all on Twitter and then back then I had around 7,000 followers or something like that. Um, and I was a big foodie as uh, a lot of people in the city probably know or have seen my photos. Um, but anyways, I was sharing a lot of, a, a lot of, uh, food photos on, on Twitter back then. And if you remember uh, camera technology back then, you know, I, I was shooting with my BlackBerry, you know, it was probably like a two megapixel cam uh, camera and it just wasn't uh, uh, really great. But nonetheless, I, I managed to, to grow an audience. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, I managed to grow an audience on, the, on that platform. Um, so long story short is that uh, eventually some restaurants started reaching out to me um, in terms of uh, being interested in, in finding out how to grow their own social media audience. And um, at that time, 2009, I had just been laid off from my job uh, with the 2008 recession. And in my third year of university, I also started, that's kind of when I started to think about uh, starting my own company. And um, through my through being on EI and being eligible for a self-employment program, uh, which was funded by the provincial government, I was able to get my company started and uh, started working with a few restaurants just right out of the gate. Um, and that's kind of how Popcorn got started. Interesting, interesting. And um, so that incubation period as you're, you're growing, I mean, you starting in restaurants, how did you, how did you end up in, with Samsung and Rogers? Uh, yeah, it's it's always it's it's been a interesting, but I would say an organic uh, trajectory uh, since we started. Um, I guess for the first three years of our business, we were really heavily uh, rooted in the restaurant and hospitality scene. Um, you know, whether we were working with food trucks or fine dining restaurants or pizza shops. Um, uh, yeah, that's sort of, so I guess we, we were doing that for about three years and then we kind of hit a wall. Uh, the wall that we hit was one where, um, you know, working with restaurants, we, we soon realized that um, our marketing budgets were never going to be really, really big. And at the same time, while I was growing my team, uh, while with budgets staying the same, um, it, was, it was becoming harder and harder for me to service that industry. Um, just because, you know, our team was bigger, there were more overheads and, and things like that. So um, at the end of it, it was, it was 2014 when, when, when uh, I, I sat down and looked at the books and realized that we were actually just making around $7 an hour. Um, and at that point, it was kind of a inflection point because I was like, well, you know, what are, what are we really doing here? I mean, I'm, I, I love what I'm doing, but uh, ultimately I can't really get by and, and sustain a business that is only making $7 an hour. So uh, overnight we tripled our rates um, and it was terrifying because um, I, doing that, I knew, knew right away that um, we would lose some clients because just, um, uh, you know, in, in the restaurant business, most restaurants are just barely scraping by, especially in the city with, um, you know, their low margins and whatnot. And um, so it was kind of a terrifying moment. But at the same time, um, I realized that we would never be able to take the step forward if uh, I didn't do that. So um, ultimately, we did that. We did shed some clients. But in doing so, we, it also freed up some capacity. And then we started to bring on some larger clients. And some larger clients um, that ended up coming on board ended up being like wineries and hotels and um, like tourism, uh, tourism companies and destination companies and whatnot. So uh, it was never intentional sort of um, like that we would kind of switch from 
restaurants to um, uh, you know slightly larger businesses. But I think um, when when you're kind of stuck in that mentality in terms of like uh, even just pricing out your services, um, you know, just to give you an example, back then we were charging like five hundred dollars a month just to manage like social media accounts, um, and that was kind of like the mid range the mid-range right so when we tripled you know that went up to 1500 um, or so and um, I think when you do that you naturally start to uh, present your business a little bit differently and then you start to attract the types of business that you ultimately want um, so how that ended up to, to going from uh, hotels and, and, and wineries to Samsung Samsung was an interesting one because they just found us on Google so, I mean, that doesn't happen every day. And I mean, I wish that happened all the time, but um, yeah, they just happened to, to, to go on and search for marketing agencies in Vancouver and they found us and um, yeah, the rest, the rest is kind of history. I think once you get um, some really, and that's generally how it, how it has uh, worked for us is that uh, we would just land, um, you know, sort of mid-sized clients and then those mid-sized clients would then turn into larger clients and then those larger clients would turn into global global clients and it was really organic uh, in that sense yeah i find it's quite an interesting thing and and in the entrepreneurial uh, arena it is really common for people to be paralyzed um, in raising their rates uh, partially because they have that inferiority complex they have mm -hmm. the imposter syndrome mm -hmm. um, did you ever did you ever have that and did you how did you overcome that um, I wouldn't say necessarily imposter syndrome, but it was more so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I ever really, really uh, struggled with that. No. Mm, okay. And in terms of your philosophy, um, in how you, you know, decide to market and, um, you know, the, the engine that you put behind popcorn. You know, what is the driving force that uh, that you guys push behind popcorn? Like, what is the uh, the the mantra, the vision statement for that? Yeah, so I mean, we are a strategy-driven agency, so uh, it wasn't always that way, uh, and we've really had to shift our 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 our, um, our, our mission really in over the last uh, few years, uh, simply because a lot of the things that we were doing early on, um, especially when we were just marketing for restaurants um, you know to be to be honest like uh, restaurants aren't successful because of their marketing restaurants are successful because they can execute really good food um, and they have good service right so at the end of the day uh, when you're when you're talking about marketing strategy for restaurant it's really not not really that strategic it's more about tactics right it's more about uh, taking good photos is more about being active on social media, um, you know, uh, knowing what platforms to post on, how often to post, things like that. Uh, I would say as we started to work with larger clients, those larger clients, um, there, there definitely was more uh, focus uh, for them on uh, approaching marketing in a more strategic manner. So I would say, um, you, and that's, that's, you know, becoming more and more um, uh, prevalent these days, especially with, you know, how much access to data that we have and, uh, you know, just the ability to have data informed strategy um, uh, and whatnot to be really ultimately really smart about your marketing. Right. So um, I think at the core of it, uh, I, I think today what makes us successful is that we are a strategy driven agency. And uh, we also like within my team, uh, we, I, I employ people who are uh, practitioners of digital marketing themselves, you know, so whether, uh, so, so, I mean, I have one of my account managers and she manages a lot of the accounts for us and she's also managing a lot of influencer campaigns for us, but she herself is an influencer herself. So um, she has that, uh, that insight on the personal level into um, how businesses approach her and how they pitch her and then she can take some of those learnings and um, apply those to her work as well. Hmm. Yeah that, that's a really great way to, to both empower some of the people who are within your ecosystem uh, but also to pick from the same ecosystem to, to then help other businesses so that's a, mm -hmm. that's a good model. Um, in terms of small businesses then I think a lot of them uh, 
maybe don't understand, you know, kind of what goes into marketing. And a lot of times I think they're dumping money into the ocean, so to speak, and, you know, not figuring out or seeing a rate of return. And so one of the things I really want to dispel to uh, business owners is, you know, what that world of marketing is and, you know, that it's, uh, it's not necessarily a, um, a sure thing and that marketing has so many variables to it. And if a person doesn't have a strong positioning and branding, in your opinion, how do you feel um, that affects the, the way that you market or the way that you're able to push out a brand? Um, I think brand positioning is super important and I think uh, this is super relevant right now, especially, uh, but because I, I think um, uh, the only thing, the only product out there that I can think of that is universal in that you don't really need brand positioning is toilet paper. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the reason being that, you know, toilet paper, everybody needs it. Right. And at the end of the day, um, does anybody really care what brand it is as long as they get it right? So, I mean, we're seeing people fighting over toilet paper. They're not really uh, brand sensitive per se. It's more out of necessity, right? So unless you have a brand like, unless you have a product like toilet paper, I think brand positioning is really important because it's important that you understand what your product is, who your customers are, and uh, what drives your customers to uh, purchase your product um, and how you differentiate yourself amongst your competitors. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think a lot of times uh, these, are, these are questions that I have for business owners, not only small business owners, but, you know, even large businesses. And a lot of times large businesses already have this figured out, but small businesses, sometimes they, they haven't really thought that through uh, completely yet. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. I think we spend a lot of time in the initial phases with clients doing that is helping them figure out their brand strategy, um, honing in what is their actual secret sauce, and then being able to formalize that into a, a document for themselves. Um, for you, in terms of the differences between, say, um, restaurants and you know small businesses and then global enterprises, um, how much of it becomes uh, tactics in terms of the people who are you know hiring you? How much of that do do you run into where the person just wants to do the tactics because they saw it work for somebody else versus a proper brand uh, and marketing strategy? Do you find that that changes in the different stratas and levels of businesses that you work with, or do you think that that's a <clears throat> universal thing straight across? Um, well, in the case of Samsung, when they approached us, they knew right away what they wanted from us. And for them, they were looking specifically at just running a campaign on uh, social media and on uh, Google AdWords. So uh, they weren't really um, sure which social media platforms to focus on. So that was one thing that we had to do a little bit of, uh, we, had, we had to dig, dig into that a little further uh, and kind of look at their product. And uh, ultimately, you know, um, with that campaign, they were looking to uh, market their Samsung Knox product, which is a uh, mobile security uh, software. Essentially, it's kind of their, their comp, comp, sorry, it's their equivalent to BlackBerry. Um, in, in the sense that for medium and large size enterprises, if you're, if you're um, gearing up your, uh, your staff with, with phones, um, the idea was that, you know, they would use Samsung products, right? So uh, because it was so specific with who they wanted to reach, and that was medium to large size enterprises, and really they wanted to reach the senior decision makers in terms of the people that are making decisions for technology and systems and, 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 and things like that for their, for their companies. Um, then it became about, well, how do we target, um, you know, uh, chief information officers and, and, and chief technology officers or senior uh, um, engineers and, and things like that um, you, uh, and, and get, get the message out to them. So ultimately what we did with them was we did run an AdWords campaign, but we also ran a uh, campaign on LinkedIn, targeting specific industries in specific cities uh, and right down to specific job titles, right? So it was uh, a really successful campaign, which ended up seeing uh, over 300 signups um, for their uh, Knox trial. 
Amazing. This <clears throat> is awesome. Um, in terms of, you know, uh, you, you mentioned AdWords and, and placing ads uh, against uh, different cohorts. That landscape has changed tremendously over the last decade or so um, in terms of the cost per click and uh, the, the sheer data that's available uh, and, and the, the finite um, people that you're able to, to reach now, especially with something like Facebook and Instagram and, and the data that they have. Uh, in, I, I think a lot of people don't understand when they're trying to do it themselves and they're bootstrapping and trying to put out an ad that what, what makes uh, it a successful ad? I think a lot of people are um, <clears throat> looking at, you know, approaching everybody thinking that everybody's going to buy their product. Uh, and, and we know uh, because we're both in this, that, that that's not necessarily true. And a lot of that money goes to waste. So, you know, what have you seen or what are some tips that um, you can impart on an individual who might be bootstrapping it uh, and understanding where they're placing in their ad and what they should be spending for that? Um, yeah, so I mean, with regards to a lot of paid campaigns, I have actually, um, you know, whenever whenever clients come to us and, and they, they, they say they need help with their marketing, I ask them what they've been doing. They might say that, oh, you know, we've, we've done some AdWords before, but, you know, didn't really, really see any great ROI from that. And then I'd ask them if I could take a peek under the hood and look at their AdWords account to see what they've set up. Um, in one particular instance, uh, I think it was a dentist that was in, <clears throat> in um, North Vancouver. And uh, basically, he went in and he set up his own campaign. He had no real, real background or experience in marketing before, but he tried to just kind of hack it himself. And when I looked at his uh, account, I noticed that he was bidding on words like dentist. And dentist, I think, uh, when I looked at it, it was costing him something like $100 a click or something like that. And uh, he was also targeting uh when i looked at his geographic target he was tar targeting all of the lower mainland right so he was even targeting people out in maple ridge and and langley and things like that and you think about it it's like well who's going to be living in maple ridge and going to see a dentist in north van right so even from that just looking at how broad his keywords were um uh you know he was wasting a lot of money on like there might be that person in langley who who searched for dentist finds his ad and then um, they might even click on it to look at his website and find out that he's in North Van and decide like, okay, well, that's, that's not going to work for me, right? So you, we took a look at that campaign. We really honed in kind of uh, the areas that he wants to focus on. And, and, and that's by really just understanding who his customer or where his customers are from, the majority of them being from West Van and North Van. So we tightened up, we tightened up his uh, geographic targeting to just uh, downtown West Van and North Van. And then we also looked at the keywords and uh, actually didn't bid on words like dentist, but you know he was doing things like um, like crowns and 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 other uh, cosmetic procedures and things that were um, kind of uh, some some services that were uh, especially like kind of unique to his practice too, right? So um, um, in work in 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 developing ads and focusing on those sort of more specialized keywords, we were able to bring his cost per click um, down significantly and, and be able to increase his traffic and just um, uh, use his budget in a more efficient and strategic way. Right. Yeah, so uh, a lot of times these platforms like Facebook and Google, they're um, seemingly easy to use, but I would say like for the a large majority of people who don't know what they're doing, um, it's really easy to get sucked in and um, blow a lot of money and not see a lot of results. And that kind of turns you off from marketing altogether um, yeah. in some cases. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think a lot of people um, think that it's an easy thing to do and that it's intuitive. And, and the interface is intuitive, right? I think we both agree that the, the interface is intuitive. But the brain work that goes behind it and isolating the right individuals isn't. That's right. Cool. So... With the, the virus on hand, uh, what's changed in your in your world? How have you tried to adapt um, to, to make uh, work happen and to, to bring in revenue? Um, or, you know, had you had to shut down uh, most of it altogether? How, how's it worked out for you? 
Yeah, I mean, so in terms of our team, uh, our, our whole team is now working remotely. Um, it's not been a huge shift in terms of that, just because uh, typically we already work remote on Mondays and Fridays, as it is. Um, so now it's just uh, going full-time uh, remote. Uh, in a lot of ways, what that has allowed us to, or, or what, what, what has come out of that is actually just more transparency in terms of uh, what everybody's working on on a daily basis as we have, you know, a morning check-in uh, with the team every day. Um, you know, but how that's impacted our business in terms of like client-wise, I would say, uh, I mean, because we do have several retail clients that we work with and, and a lot of these retailers have closed down uh, temporarily. So um, with that, uh, some of the campaigns that we've been planning with them uh, have been paused uh, or on, on hold. Um, you know, some marketing budgets have been slashed and now they're, they're uh, on their end, they're, they're kind of looking at their budgets and, and assessing kind of where they should be spending their, their money on. I think at this point, nobody knows if this is going to be going on for like a month or three months or a year even. So um, there's a lot of uncertainty, uh, I would say right now. And everybody's just, uh, myself included, I would say like, we're, I'm just kind of taking it like day by day, week by week at, at this point. Um, this, our sales funnel has also uh, somewhat dried up as well. So the, the leads aren't coming in uh, quite, as, quite as fast as they, they were. And um, on our end, um, I guess the silver lining is that it gives us a little bit of time and space to be able to focus on our business and look at what kind of services uh, are appropriate for the market at this time. So right now what we're doing is we're actually brainstorming um, some packages that are designed for small businesses um, um, that are low cost and, and high, high yield, so to speak. Excellent. That's a good way to adapt, um, seeing that we make up such a large part of the economy. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. looking forward, um, what are the plans for popcorn outside of this? Like, you know, once this all clears up and the world returns back to status quo, do you have other things to pursue or are you going to stay the course um yeah are you what are you looking for in terms of innovation yeah i mean i i think when it comes to digital marketing and there's never a dull moment and you know i'm constantly just keeping up with my uh news in terms of what's happening in the industry uh looking at new and new and emerging trends um you know ar uh, augmented reality is a really hot topic right now and uh, a lot of companies, uh, especially big ones, are, are, are really starting to do a lot of stuff uh, in that space. So uh, we're, you know, it's, it's constantly just keeping a pulse on, on what's happening and, and, and what's emerging and not necessarily focusing on today, but looking at uh, trying, to, trying to stay a step, step ahead. And, and, and uh, ultimately, nobody has a crystal ball and ultimately nobody knows what's going to uh, how the landscape is going to be shaped. But, um, you know, by staying on top of this, I think we can continue to innovate our services and continue to drive value for our clients. Yeah, it's interesting that you said AR. I've been saying that for maybe the last half a year that AR is going to be something very interesting. And I think it actually it'll super, uh, it'll, it'll exceed what VR is. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of people have put their bank on, on VR. Um, but I actually think AR has wider applications um, and has uh, a more, I guess, robust or easy entry point, um, you know, in terms of adoption for the mm -hmm. masses, because I mean, people are using it already in gaming. Um, and of course, we, we know that the, the Dallas Cowboys have utilized that already in, in photo booth software, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's quite interesting. It's quite yeah. an interesting landscape. For sure. Like with VR, I always, I've, I've, I mean, I've had experiences with VR probably since, um, I don't know, I think my first experience was probably the virtual boy from Nintendo back then. And, but I think that they, they, that was short lived because I think it gave people seizures, but you know, I, I think of all the VR experiences that I've had, um, you know, to date, like everything, like none of the VR experiences that I've had have really been really great experiences. You know, you're wearing like a big clunky, oftentimes you're wearing big clunky hardware and you're tethered or, or maybe even you're not, but I mean, um, it does, like I, I have yet to seen a VR experience that really uh, blows my mind. Whereas with AR, you know, um, you know, it, it's being rolled out using 
technology that people already have, like whether that's smartphones or what, whatnot, right? So I think the one that I, I really like is IKEA's activation where they, yes. um, you're now able to, with your smartphone, uh, basically look at how the furniture is going to look in your house before you actually buy it. Right. So um, I think I think the, the the applications for AR are are just uh, endless. So I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see kind of what where where that uh, where that's going to go. Uh, I'm right there with you. So awesome. Well, I know you've got the kids in the other room and uh, I want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, hopefully that uh, we'll get to do a second podcast and maybe dive a little bit deeper in the world of marketing the next time. Um, if uh, people want to get a hold of you and connect with you, how can they do so? Uh, yeah, so I'm pretty easy to find on the internet, on any social media, Twitter and Instagram. You can just find me by my name, Dennis Pang. Uh, my website is gopopcorn.ca. And um, yeah, I thank you, thank you again for, for having me on today, Justin. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a pleasure and I'm super, super glad that uh, you gave me some time. My pleasure. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Thanks.